Okay, so we're back. Time to get into this information about this Lakewood shooter and everything else. Ben Shapiro, what he thinks about migrants. EBT cards are about to end. And what is Chicago doing about it? All this and more on Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. Let's get into it. All right, fair use. I'd with the latest on the Lakewood Church shooting that has made national headlines. Thank you so much for joining us tonight at 10 o'clock. I'm Daniela Guzman. And I'm Keith Garvin. We're learning more tonight about the woman who opened fire in the church and the young child critically injured. KPRC2's Bryce Newberry is live at Lakewood Church tonight as we hear from the family of the seven-year-old boy who was shot in the head. Bryce. Keith and Daniela, that seven-year-old victim who police say is the shooter's biological son continues fighting for his life in the hospital tonight as his grandmother is sharing a statement for the first time calling this a completely preventable horror. And tonight we have new reporting. Divorce records are revealing details about that shooter's documented mental health history, as police have called it, as well as a possible connection to this megachurch. The thing is... Um the grandmother knew about this. I wonder if the grandmother was the shooter's mom. Okay. I wonder about that. <clears throat> Everybody's so quick to accept these unnatural lifestyles and behaviors. And then when it comes back to bite them, they don't want to talk about this. This is not normal. This is a mental illness. Tonight, local, state, and federal investigators combing through evidence collected from the home of 36-year-old Janessi Moreno, who Houston police say opened fire in Joel Osteen's church Sunday. Police say Moreno entered the megachurch wearing a trench coat with her son when she began firing an AR-15 bearing a Palestine sticker. Gunshots interrupted the start of a Spanish-language service before an off-duty HPD officer and TABC agent returned fire. She eventually falls to the ground. The seven-year-old child it falls to the ground as well. Authorities haven't determined whose gunfire struck the child in the head, but his grandmother writing on Facebook, no one may ever blame a police officer who carries out his or her rightful duty to save lives, even if they are found responsible for shooting my grandson. The shooter has been arrested at least five times, records show, in October. This is a man. It's not a woman. October 2022, pleading guilty to unlawful carrying of a weapon. Investigators say Moreno used many aliases, including some male names like Jeffrey, and that they've found anti-Semitic writings. We do believe that there was a familial dispute that has taken place between... Uh, her ex-husband and her ex-husband's family, and some of those individuals are Jewish. Divorce records obtained by KPRC show her ex-husband in 2021 told a judge Moreno would physically attack him and on multiple occasions chased him out of the house with knives. One time with their child in the car, she pointed a gun on him and that she told him all the time that she just tricked him to get her citizenship. Records reveal the child's paternal grandmother asked a Montgomery County court to appoint her temporary managing conservator, claiming Moreno had schizophrenia and didn't always take her prescribed medication. She then the grandmother should have been the legal guardian. And they should have had supervised visits. You knew all about this. Does have a mental health history that is documented through us. 
and through interviews with family members. While police haven't revealed a motive, the grandmother wrote in custody battle documents the church shooter and her mother knowingly and intentionally harmed the child by lying to authorities for reasons hard to understand even by the pastoral staff of Joel Osteen's church where Moreno's mother attended. And that grandmother writing on Facebook, when family members seek emergency protections, they're not doing so for their own sake, but for the sake of the person who is ill and to protect her child and society. That grandmother also blaming the state for not having stronger red flag laws, which could have prevented Moreno from owning or possessing a gun. Tonight, police... No, the fact of the matter is this person needed to be locked up. That's the issue. The person need to be locked up. Don't try to be blaming this on other people's rights to bear arms. That's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to use this, as many other shootings, as a right to say you don't need a gun. Those red flag laws are going to be used to turn against the regular citizen to defend themselves from psychos and criminals. Especially the ones that comes to try to do church shootings. Police say that AR-15 she used was purchased legally, but they did find another gun in her bag. And tonight they're still investigating where that one came from. All right. So, what are your thoughts on that? What do you what do you think? Are they going to try and use that as a way to twist, to take away um, people's rights to bear arms in Texas as they're trying to do in other states? that are states that you can have the right to carry a weapon, a firearm, because that's how I see where it's going. This has everything to do with mental illness. Okay? This has everything to do with mental illness and how people want to shame you, want to take away your job, even want to imprison you for telling the truth about what was the real issue, okay, with these mass shootings, with these Decepticons. And this is the second church shooting religious shooting i'll say that it was a christian school shooting of a person who was um a transformer doing the same thing and it all has to do with mental illness let's talk about ben shapiro now Ben Shapiro doesn't give a damn about migrants flooding America. The Daily Wire's Ben Shapiro, who has called for millions of Palestinians to be ethnically cleansed, has now declared that he does not give a damn about the influx of migrants in America. <clears throat> and Daily Wire, you have a lot. You have taken a lot of flack online for commenting about people's commenting a couple of times over the years that you don't give a damn about Browning, the Browning of America. I want to talk about borders broadly in a minute, something that Michael and I have been talking about. But you know, you, you said the Great Replacement. You said demographics. A part of it is that they're trying to change America from a predominantly white nation to a not predominantly white nation. Ben, you, you've taken a lot of flack online for commenting a couple times over the years that you don't give a damn about the browning of America. What do you mean by that? I, I don't care about the race. I care about the ideology. I don't think that they care about the race, by the way. I think they care about the ideology. If they could import 200 million liberals from Sweden, I think that they would do it. But isn't I the think, point that just, it, it so happens, I'm not saying it's good, I wish we could shift the whole black vote, I wish we could shift the whole Hispanic vote, but it we just haven't, it just hasn't happened. Well, I mean, but I don't see how that's relevant. In other words, the way that the left likes to slander the right when they talk about things like the Great Replacement Theory is by suggesting that the reason that the right is opposed to mass migration from these countries is because they want fewer brown people. The point that I was making is we don't want mass migration from countries that don't share our values. Right. I don't care whether they're brown, whether they're green, whether they're white, like, it doesn't make a difference to me. If you come from a country where you are used to gigantic government services that take care of you and you're coming here to be reliant on those government services or you don't share American feelings about how family ought to work or, or about how government ought to work or about many of these values. I don't care if you're pulling those people from Latin America, whether you're pulling those people from like the most liberal parts of Europe, like that doesn't matter to me. The ideology of the people who are coming in matters to me. So when I say about the browning of America, again, I don't, race is of no relevance to me Insofar as it's just race, this the ideology matters.
I don't care about race. I care about the ideology, Shapiro said during a debate on Tuesday. I don't care if you're pulling people, those people from Latin America, whether you're pulling them from the most liberal parts of Europe. That doesn't matter to me. The ideology of the people who are coming here matters to me, Shapiro added. So when I say about the browning of America, I don't care, you know, about race. Race is no relevance to me insofar as it's just race. The ideology matters to me. Um, the point, the problem is with Shapiro is the fact that most of these people that are depending on government assistance, they're not going to be for um, American values. They're going to be for the socialists, which turns slowly turns into communist mindset. Already these migrants are coming over. They demand that you cook food their way. They demand that they get every all the money that they want. Um, some of these migrants are not really migrants. They're just ready to go soldiers, fighting age men. They're not men with families. So Ben Shapiro, he he's just speaking ignorance right now. Okay. Information Liberation Report, Shapiro in the past advocated for ethnically cleansing all 5 million Palestinians and Israeli Arabs from Israel and the Palestinian territories in the column titled transfer is not a dirty word. Here's what Shapiro wrote. Here's the bottom line. If you believe that the Jewish state has a right to exist, then you must allow Israel to transfer the Palestinians and Israeli Arabs from Judea, Samaria, Gaza and Israel proper. It's an ugly solution, but it's the only solution. And it is far less ugly than the prospect of bloody conflict and infiltratum. Infinitum, sorry. When two populations are constantly enmeshed in conflict, it is insane to suggest that somehow deep-seated ideological change will miraculously occur, allowing the two sides to live together. Here's my problem with this. Okay. It, this is... This is basically you guys bullying Palestinians, Arabs, all right, who are really brothers to you. You're bullying them out the country. You should be sharing the land, but you don't want to. And you guys have been doing this for 70 years. Been nothing but bullies to the Palestinians. All right. This is a Zionist mindset he has. The Jews don't realize that expelling a hostile population is commonly used and generally effective way of preventing violent entanglements. There are no gas chambers here. It's not genocide. It's transfer. Basically, you know, dumping these people in America when you could live peacefully with these people, which you refuse to do for, again, 70 years. OK. All right. Britain tried to help you guys to be at peace with one another. But then you decide to form a terrorist group and start killing any Britain, Britain officials who were for the Jews and the Arabs to live in peace. And then you guys just began torturing and brutalizing the Arabs who lived in that land before you. If there was room in Germany for the German populations of East Prussia and of the other territories, as Churchill stated, there is certainly room in the spacious Muslim states of the Middle East for a million, five million Palestinians and Israeli Arabs. If Germans who had a centuries old connection to the newly created Polish territory could be expelled, then surely Palestinians who claim to, whose claim to Judea, Samaria, and Gaza is dubious at best can be expelled. It's time to stop being squeamish. Jews are not Nazis. Really? Didn't you guys get expelled from your homes? Didn't you guys lose your businesses? Didn't you guys get mistreated? You are Nazis. You're no better than the oppressors. Transfer is not genocide, and anything else isn't a solution. Though Shapiro has tried to distance himself from his column, he fervently supporting Israel's ethnic cleansing operation in Gaza today. Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens in November noted how odd it was that the normally cool and collected Shapiro, certainly when it comes to replacement migration in America, was so hysterical on October 7th. Okay, this is episode 39. Candace Owens responds to Ben Shapiro on this. Let's talk about this now. Candace Owens on Tucker Carlson. 
1616, the Roman Inquisition hauled in Galileo, the Italian astronomer, and commanded him to stop saying that the Earth revolves around the sun. Shut up, they said. Everyone knows that's wrong, and you're a bad person for saying otherwise. That's a well-known story, of course, and we laugh about it now, 400 years later, because the authorities were completely wrong. Galileo is a hero. They are fools. And we explain this by pointing out that they were religious nuts. They were superstitious. Nothing like that could ever happen now. But it turns out the one constant in human history is human nature. And not only does it happen now, it happens more than ever. Watch Candace Owens get widely attacked, not by one person, but by everyone for being right. People like Candace Owens and others have been flagrant at putting out disinformation into the public sphere. The top performing post of the week was this post by Candace Owens, a far right wing commentator and a favorite on Fox, denigrating George Floyd. It just shows how this website is a radicalization engine. You, you do have this sort of parade of, of MAGA world that are parroting Russian talking points. Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, Tulsi Gabbard, I think somewhere along the line, they don't believe this, but they think that it's in their interest to say these things. These people are almost collaborators. That Candace Owens video was the top video on Facebook this past week, and she's you know, saying all sorts of things about George Floyd and, and denying any systemic racism problems. And so there's a deeper fundamental issue with what the Facebook algorithm and all social media algorithms, what kind of content they reward. Others doubled down on vaccine disinformation. Folks like right-wing commentator Candace Owens, who told followers that she wouldn't take the vaccine even on her deathbed. <laughs> Notice why they were attacking Candace Owens. What did she say? She said, well, actually, George Floyd was not murdered by a racist cop, much less by a systemically racist. George Floyd was murdered by a racist cop. And this is not the first time that Derek Chauvin, all right, put his knee on a man, on a person's neck. This is the second time. And that second time was fatal with the death of George Floyd. This is how Tucker Carlson could be a puppet. Society, she said, actually, the vaccine doesn't work very well and it may be dangerous. You know, people would rather you parrot certain talking points rather than have a meaningful discussion and a meaningful dialogue, and they don't accept it. And at the moment that they start to censor speech and they start talking, you know, now we have to talk about the fact that, you know, the right does the same thing after the left. They do have, they do parrot talking points. Let's just get that straight. If you come off the edge, just if you come off the rails, they come for, they come for you. Calling you names, like calling you a grandma killer, calling you a pro-Putin puppet, you know it's because they don't actually believe what they're saying. It's just these are ad hominem attacks to dissuade from having an actual debate, and there always should be an actual debate on that right. issue. And when, and when they never explain what you got wrong, they don't call it wrong, they call it disinformation, which mm -hmm. suggests it could be right. That's usually a tell. And, sp and speaking of it, so I was out of the country yesterday um, and didn't have adequate internet access on the plane to really follow this, and I don't understand the context exactly, but... Um, the internet was dominated yesterday by video of Ben Shapiro, who you work with at the Daily Wire, um, I think it's fair to say, attacking you. Here's the video. I just want to get your reaction to it. Yes, the, the, the question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this administration. Without a doubt. So maybe there's a point in the video where he explains what exactly you did wrong, and how you were wrong. I, I haven't seen it. Um, but to call somebody, quote, absolutely disgraceful, particularly a coworker, seems like a pretty big step. What, and, and I really don't know the background here. What is that about? You know, there isn't much of a background. I saw the video when everybody else saw it when I woke up. Um, no one he, no one warned you about it? Nobody warned me about it. I, I, it looks like maybe he didn't know he was being recorded. It looks yes. like it was some sort of a private event. I got no clarity on the issue that he was particularly speaking on. And in what was said, I also, I can't respond to it beyond what he's saying because it's just ad hominem attacks. I don't know. Yeah, because it's not, you know, we disagree or, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think she's correct or maybe she doesn't know what she's talking about. It's absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, exactly. And 
so I can't respond to it on a level of intellect because there there's nothing that he has expressed in that at least in that short clip that he fundamentally disagrees with in terms of what I said but I will say that I'm not going to respond with the same ad hominem attacks yes. I don't think it helps further discussion and it, if I, that was me that was caught on a video saying that about colleagues that I work with I would be embarrassed. I would so I think that the video speaks more to Ben's character than it speaks to mine. Has he texted you to apologize or explain or anything? No, nothing. I haven't heard a single word. It just was sort of something that he said. And you know what? Ben and I have many disagreements, so I don't think that that's particularly something that's interesting. Um, we disagreed on the COVID vaccine. We disagree yes. on Ukraine and Russia. He has taken virtually every stance that has been the opposite of mine on every. Okay, so. That's what we have on that. The browning of America gets only yawns from Shapiro. When Israel is threatened, he becomes hysterical wreck and starts threatening Samson option. Starts threatening the Samson option. This is what Ben Shapiro had to say about that. Zina's pundit, Ben Shapiro says, Israel will initiate the Samson option if America doesn't arm Israel and force Egypt and Jordan to open their borders to Palestinian refugees. Look, um, if you can't see by now that America is just another part of Israel, it's just Israel too. It's this, you know, starts with the small Israel, which is the brain of America. And a lot of people are going to say, well, you conspiracy theorists. No, these are facts. This is not a conspiracy theory. These are facts. Okay. They run the news media. Okay. They run the news p news media. They control what we see. If you dare speak out about it, you will be in trouble. They run Hollywood. They uh, control the music industry. Definitely hip hop. Definitely hip hop. People, you know, you have uh, Black Americans want to talk about well, who who's the best in hip? Who who's the king of hip? of hip-hop if your last name isn't stein or berg okay if you don't run the music industry if you're not the one creating those deals if you're not the one telling these artists what type of music you're going to be putting out there okay that's going to be helping the, pr the school to prison pipeline that's going to be helping the prison private prison industry you don't run hip-hop If you can't tell somebody you're you're not going to be a billionaire one day and then give the billionaire title to someone else like they did with Kanye West, took away his billionaire status and gave it to Sean Puffy Combs, you don't run hip hop. Hezbollah in the north, which is an Iranian proxy, will know that Israel is surrounded on all sides and may choose to launch a massive offensive against Israel that would end with tens of thousands of Jews dead and Israel itself existentially endangered. Again, that possibility is quite real. Israel is apparently holding off right now on its ground offensive in order to retain enough troops in the north to prevent a massive Hezbollah move. If Hezbollah jumps in, Israel will respond with everything in its arsenal as it would have to. Iran, then presumably with Russian and Chinese backing, could enter the conflict. At that point, nuclear conflict would certainly not be off the table. Israel will not allow a second Holocaust to take place without using everything in its arsenal. At some point in this chain of events, America would inevitably be... So that includes a nuclear Holocaust. Use everything in its arsenal, including possibly causing a genocide. Yeah, that makes sense. ...dragged directly into such a war. Meanwhile, the world's oil supply would be radically decreased, crashing the global economy. So that's what one path looks like. The other path looks like America standing tall. And here's America's role. It's a simple role. It does not require American use of force. It does not require American soldiers. First, America must provide Israel the material and moral support to destroy Hamas. Israel will shed. Why should America provide support for that when Israel created Hamas? Why? Extraordinary levels of blood of its own citizens in order to protect civilians in Gaza and to kill terrorists. But Israel will require rearmament and America should provide it. No, they shouldn't. America has problems at home. We have a homeless problem. We have food shortages. Prices are going up. Not expensive prices for food. Okay. We have a lot of issues here. Okay. Israel should clean up its own mess.
But unfortunately, the American government is under the knee, is bound the knee to Israel. Do you think there's going to be a draft? Because I think there's going to be a draft. And Israel wounded by Hamas is an invitation to broader regional and possibly global conflict. Second, America must use our diplomatic might to push to alleviate the situation on the Arab side. We ought to be pushing Egypt to open its border to refugees to minimize civilian casualties. We should be pushing Turkey to accept refugees. After all, they accepted 3.5 million of them from Syria. America ought to leverage Qatar into turning over Hamas's leadership to an international body or to America itself and push Qatar to get Hamas to release American and other hostages held by Hamas. Third, America must deter other actors from escalating this conflict. Presumably, that's why Joe Biden himself is visiting Israel and why America currently has aircraft carriers stationed in the Mediterranean. An ounce of prevention will be worth kilotons of cure. Well, Israel build new cities for these refugees. We already know America has a migrant crisis as it is. Okay, so now that we're done with that, let's look into the uh, what the European Union, the World Economic Forum, wants to do with uh, normalizing chomos. Let's look into that now. One minute. Sorry about that. Here we go. Klaus Schwab, courtesy of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Criminalized bestiality and child pornography. Spain now encourages pedophiles to parade their naked victims around the streets. And France does not have an age of consent law anymore. That's right. Europe has fallen under the influence of Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum and the shameless campaign to normalize pedophilia and other perversions in the Western world. According to Schwab, the EU's push to normalize pedophilia and legalize sexual relations with children must now be adopted with the same enthusiasm in the US. There's just one problem for Schwab and the other reprobates who crawl the halls of his globalist headquarters in Davos. We will never allow his sick agenda to infiltrate our culture. And when Klaus said jump, far left Germany said how high? Possession and distribution of child pornography is no longer a crime in Germany. Am I reading this right? Germany decriminalized child pornography offenses. Media, woo! after the federal cabinet voted to change the criminal law provisions regarding child sexual abuse material. Pedophiles found in possession of child pornography will now be charged with misdemeanors rather than crimes, meaning they will not face prison time for their crimes against children, as the normalization of pedophilia continues to pick up speed in the Western world. German news outlets reported on the sickening news, explaining that lawmakers downgraded possession of child porn to a misdemeanor, in part because there are far too many pedophiles to send to prison. You can be sure that that was music to Klaus Schwab's ears. The WF co-founder declared that the change in the law is a small step for Germany, but a giant leap for mankind. But the good news for the Davos crowd week did not end there. In Spain, another EU country, pedophiles are now being openly embraced by sections of the far left population, who are encouraging men in relationships with extremely young girls to parade their victims in the streets all in the name of tolerance and diversity. We've been warning for years that pedophiles are waging a stealth campaign to gain acceptance within the LGBTQ rainbow community. That's what the- I've been saying that for the longest time. I've been saying that for years. And people thought that I was 
being overdramatic. People thought I was crazy, especially in the, you know, when I've talked to people online, sad to say black Americans, and they've got mad at me. You know, I'm West Indian, I'm black West Indian, but I am black and I recognize the struggle. I recognize, I recognize white supremacy and I see what's going on. And a lot of blacks, Americans, a lot of black Americans, preferably from the urban community, don't see a problem with the alphabet mafia or the alternative lifestyles until it's too late. This is the sad thing. And they just, a lot of them don't want to listen and they come up with nonsense. Like, how is it affecting your life? If you have family, if you have young children or you have young loved ones, this does affect you. That's how it's affecting you. They're putting this in schools. They're trying to normalize this. And they're censoring people who talk about the truth about this. Minor attractive persons or maps rebrand was all about. Disturbing events in Spain this week proved that we've been right all along. One local person responded to the video, writing in Spanish and explaining what was going on. Sex objects pay to the delight of local paedophiles. Progressivism, they call it. Anyone who's surprised by this turn of events has not been paying attention. After all, it's not like they warned us of their agenda. These are not isolated incidents. Children are being subjected to overtly sexual activity at Pride events worldwide. Ask yourself, why are drag queens so determined to read books to young children? If it's also innocent, why don't they read to seniors in care homes? The answer is that it's not innocent at all. The global elite are waging war on our children, and they'll stop at nothing until they've corrupted every last innocent life, turning the world into a depraved den of iniquity, a world of victims and libertines. Here, the World Economic Forum ordered infiltrated governments to take immediate steps towards a controversial new initiative that should have every right-thinking person up in arms. The WF is now calling for people to have the right to marry animals in an effort to promote it, diversity and inclusion. Spain is the first country to pass new legislation taking huge strides towards the initiative. This isn't surprising when you consider that the Spanish Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez, is both an avowed socialist and a World Economic Forum agenda contributor. Within Sanchez's socialist government, the prozoophilia law was pushed by the Minister of Social Rights and 2030 agenda. That's right. Spain is so infiltrated by the WF, they actually have a minister for the 2030 agenda. The world was on a slippery slope with all the gender and paedophilia craziness, but Spain's new animal welfare law that decriminalized having sex with animals is a whole new level of crazy. The new law states, the person who by any means or procedure mistreats a domestic or tamed animal, an animal that is usually domesticated, an animal that temporarily or permanently lives under human control outside of legally regulated activities, including acts of a sexual nature, causing injuries that require veterinary treatment to the restoration of its health, shall be subject to a minimum of three months up to a maximum of 18 months in prison. This essentially means that as long as there isn't a physical injury that requires a vet, people are free to have sex with animals. Yep, that's that's that is the world we live in. That is that is what's going on. And it gets worse. Okay. Illinois lawmaker wants to make it a crime for parents to prevent their kids from having sex changes. Illinois State Representative Ann Stava Murray has proposed House Bill 4876 to amend the Abuse and Neglected Child Reporting Act. The Democratic lawmaker is pushing for a bill that would amend the definition of child abuse, making it a crime for parents to prevent their children from undergoing sex change procedures. She wants to, the bill to say that an abused child 
is one whose parents deny abortion services or gender affirming services. The bill would also remove any criminal penalties from doctors who perform abortions or transgender surgeries on minors without parental consent. Illinois residents are pushing back against the measure, which currently remains in the House Rules Committee. TGP reports the definition of abused child under the proposal bill is a child whose parent or immediate family member or any person responsible for the child's welfare or any individual residing in the same home as the child or a paramour of the child's parent denies the child access to necessary medical care, including but not limited to primary care service, abortion service, or gender-affirming services. The bill also states that healthcare providers would not face any form of disciplinary action if they were to perform services sought out by minors without parental consent. Shannon Adcock, founder of Awake Illinois, has spoken out against the bill, which is an assault on parental rights. Adcock told the center, the center Square, in Illinois, parents who are considered child abusers can lose custody of their children if, in this case, they do not affirm transgender drugs, surgical procedures such as penis and breast removal. This is incredibly radical. Awake Illinois further shared Representative Ann Stephen Moraes ought to meet with just one D transitioner, such as Chloe Cole. Chloe is traveling around the country to sound the alarm on the harm she endured from the medical misadventure known as gender affirming care. Representative Steve Murray, Steve Murray needs to be educated on the reality of children who are harmed by this for profit industry that tells children they are born in the wrong body. No child can consent to puberty blockers, not to mention parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. Let's hear what Awake Illinois has to say. She looks crazy. She looks crazy. That smile. Here's what the bill says specifies that consent of the performance of an abortion services and gender affirming services executed by a minor is not voidable because of such minority. Hmm. Very interesting. Both California and Maine recently rejected similar pieces of legislation. <laughs> Good. Parents got to protect their kids, move out of these states that are for this evil against children. Here it is. Illinois Radical Democrats Representative Steve Murray introduced a bill, HB 4876, that will erode parental rights considering a minor an abused child if the parents do not consent to harmful or gender-affirming procedures. People just got to leave the state of Illinois. That's the solution. This woman's evil. That is the solution right here. Okay. Let's talk about uh, what Biden has to say. Okay, about the border crossing. Let's talk about that with the migrants now. We're going to go into the migrants. 
Let's get into that. Okay. Biden administration deported more than three million Americans. My question to you is if an individual is living in the United States of America without documents and that is his only offense, should that person be deported? No. Depending if they committed a, a major crime, they should be deported. And the president was left in his, President Obama, I think, did a heck of a job. To compare him to what, what this guy's doing is absolutely, I find, close to immoral. But the fact is that, look, we should not be locking people up. We should be making sure we change the circumstance, as we did, why they would leave in the first place. And those who come seeking asylum, we should immediately have the capacity to absorb them, keep them safe until they can be heard. A 15-second, if you could. No, no, no. They need to go back. Commit a major crime. You got a 15-year-old who shot a, a tourist in New York. You got migrant moped gangs stealing people's phone, cracking it open and selling the phones. I think that's major crimes enough. Good. If you wish to answer, should someone who is here without documents, and that is his only offense, should that person be deported? That person should not be the focus of deportation. We should fundamentally change the way people clapping about this but wait till it happens to you that's the thing with these politicians when it happens to you okay this high there was, i remember one time in uh states like chicago right politicians they're very lax on crime until one of them got carjacked now they want to change their ways there was another another uh democrat politician she was very much lenient with crime until criminals broke into her home and beat her in front of her daughters. Then she changed her tune. All these people clapping, they don't have migrants up and down their neighborhood trying to take over, trying to rob, trying to set up shop and selling meat, and they're not licensed, and you don't know where they're getting the meat from. what I'm talking about. Let's talk about uh, the EBT cards now. The EBT program is a program that feeds students when school is out of session. Louisiana, however, is one of 15 states that opted out of the program this year. A lot of kids depend on mm -hmm. their lunch and their breakfast that's at school. Latoya Douglas is a mother who has used the program in the past. She says with grocery prices skyrocketing, parents are struggling to feed their kids. It's extremely hard to even get key staples like fruits fresh fruits and vegetables for your kids. Families get $40 per month per eligible child through this program. New Orleans City Councilwoman Helena Moreno says it fills a gap for families when kids aren't in school. In the state of Louisiana, where there are 27% of families living in poverty, here in the city of New Orleans, two out of five children are living in poverty. She's now pushing the governor to change his decision. If that's not possible, what I'm requesting, is there a path where maybe cities that are interested in receiving this money can receive that money. Can the state say, okay, we're going to receive the money, but only in a limited fashion. I got a question. I have a question when it comes to this. I really do. All right. I'll ask it after this.
Americans are forced to spend more and more on groceries. Emergency SNAP food stamp benefits are coming to an end. It's thanks to the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, apparently halting emergency benefits nationwide. NBC 15's Karis Harmon joins us now live in Mobile. Karis, some folks are wondering how they'll even put food on their table. That's right, Kim, and some shoppers I spoke with today told me they have to break the bank just to get the necessities. Anyone leaving the grocery store will tell you. Very high when you can't get a dozen of eggs for less than $5. Very high. People telling me their grocery bills are far too high. It's usually around two to 300 a week. I average probably about anywhere from 200 to 275. Meat and eggs and cheese, all that is high. So about four or $500. People like Christina Peebles are not only getting groceries for themselves, but they also have other mouths to feed. Everything, everything is one of I have a 14 year old and a husband. You definitely don't get a lot for two or $300. Over 390,000 Alabama households could struggle to get food on the table. Emergency allotment for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, better known as SNAP benefits, is coming to an end. Since March of 2020, um, we have been issuing emergency allotments, which means that everybody would get the regular allotment during the month. And then at the end of each month, we'd bring them up to the maximum allotment for their household size. A program that will not continue in March. Most families will not feel this until the end of the month of March, but we want to go ahead and let indiv individuals know that where they can start saving um, and being able to prepare for that. And I have three kids now, so food stamp, it helps a lot because I get like a nice amount and then you don't pay any taxes on it. One woman I spoke with did not want to be on camera. She uses food stamps. And I'm not coming out of pocket paying $400, $500 for food. The food stamps tip me. She will not be affected by the cut to emergency SNAP benefits, but many people could find themselves drowning just for trying to put food on the table. Questions coming. The questions coming. I, I just want to get this out the way first. Hundreds of thousands of people in Illinois will soon have less money for grocery shopping. Starting March 1st, the federal government is ending emergency SNAP food benefits all across the country. In Illinois, families have been receiving a minimum of $95 in additional food stamps since April of 2020. The extra money provided extra cushion for families against the economic impact of the pandemic and, of course, sky-high inflation. SNAP recipients now encouraged to make preparations now by adjusting their food budgets and updating housing income numbers with the Illinois. Now, my thing is this, right? Many of you have heard about uh, Kevin Samuels. Now, I'm not a fan of Kevin Samuels, but I will ask this question. Do you think right now that... That old saying he said, winter is coming. Has winter come? It's a question. Has winter come? Many of you said that it'll always be a man to pick up the tab. I've always said that. But then when you think about it, what type of man will pick up the tab? We do know that there's more bad men out there than there are good men sometimes. Sometimes. All right. The world is not the same anymore. Th food prices are high. Banks are closing. The U.S. dollar is losing its value. World War Three is slowly going to come become a reality. Homelessness everywhere in America. Migrants are taking up resources. So, has winter come? Is winter here? 
Okay. That is something that is the question. Tell you something. All right. There are people that ain't going to be hurting. That's the migrants. Why do I say that? Well, take a look at this. Fair use. The state in Cook County announcing a quarter billion dollars more will be given to the city of Chicago for the migrant mission. Mayor Brandon Johnson, when asked how he'd fund the remainder, wouldn't say. CBS 2 Sabrina Franza was at a heated afternoon news conference. Sabrina, what's happening? Erica, basically the state, county, and city all came together to talk about how much they can pool together to pay for the migrant mission this year. They came up with a total, an estimate of $321 million through the end of 2024. The state committed more money. Cook County committed more money, but no word from the city. I'm engaging with the county and the states because that's what leaders do. I made a commitment to collaborating with, with people. There are a lot of things to consider in this entire operation. It's not just financial resources. As we mentioned, the city, state, and county came up with a number, that number $321 million to maintain the migrant operation through the end of this year. The city had already pledged $150 million in this year's fiscal calendar from the city's budget. That's not enough to last past the beginning of April. Now, on top of the previously committed $160 million from the state for this year and the $100 million the county committed for this year, the state and county are pledging a combined $250 million additional dollars. We actually don't know how many more buses are going to come as we lead up to the DNC. That's the type of sophistication that I'm, I was hoping that people would understand, that to talk about a single number without fully knowing all of the complexities that relate to this mission is um, it's short sighted. Now, the mayor, they're saying that this might not still be enough for all of the migrants that are expected to come between now and especially between now and the DNC. He was asked repeatedly how he would make up the difference in the amount of money, $70 million that they say is missing. We reached out to the governor's office for a response to all of that, and they reiterated that they have contributed $250 million between the state and the county, and they told us that we will have one thing I will say how they're going to make it up is in the taxes. They're going to tax the crap out of the citizens of Chicago. That's what's going to happen. Blacks in Chicago, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you don't I don't see you guys winning. I don't see you guys winning at all. You guys voted Democrat for a very long time and their foot's on your neck. I don't I don't see a way out of this. FBI says it's partnering with NYPD to handle the new threats of migrant crime. To a spike in violent hate crimes and a concerning flow of fentanyl across our borders, the FBI is dealing with ever-evolving threats to national security. CBS 2's Natalie Dudridge sat down with the Federal Bureau of Investigation to discuss their year in review and their priorities for 2024. As the war continues between Israel and Hamas, tensions escalate here at home too. The FBI says it's seen a trend of individuals inspired to attempt to carry out terrorist attacks of their own. The conflict has also led to a spike in racially motivated attacks. We sat down with the FBI's assistant director in charge, James Smith. There is a rise since the October 7th attack. Some of it meets the, the threshold of a hate crime, some of it does not. And, um, but leave, let that, let, leave that up to us to determine. We know it's happening across, you know, every race, religion, gender, you name it. 
Over the last year, New York City has also seen more than 170,000 migrants arrive by bus looking for a new life. But the FBI says an increasing number of migrants are being connected to robberies and assaults. Is this a new growing threat? Yes, it is. I'm not going to you know, sugarcoat it. It is a new threat. Are we going to address it? Yes, we will. We will partner with, or we are partnering with NYPD and some of the other federal agencies, and we're going to uh, address this new threat. What's the best way to address it? Do we use federal laws to go after these criminals, or is it best using the state laws to go after these criminals? Another concern at our borders, the illegal flow of fentanyl. How is the fentanyl coming into our communities? Um, who's responsible for that? whether it be from the precursors coming from China or if it's going to be basically the true product coming from Mexico. There's ways that these organizations are trying to, uh, we'll say, mask their chemicals on the, on the way it's going down to Mexico to be um, processed into true fentanyl drug and it comes back into the States. But it's all being transported, smuggled into the country, the same methods as cocaine, heroin, and other drugs. The FBI This is going to be very interesting election year. It really is because uh, just chaos. That's all I'm seeing. The Democrats are using this to produce the chaos. And then when Trump gets reelected, he'll be the one bringing in law and order. That's how I see this, order out of chaos. So let's look into the uh, Harlem residents um, opposing this going down on their turf. for Harlem residents. Asylum seekers are not Harlem residents. They are not citizens. Heated moments at times as Harlem residents wanted answers about the city's plan for the vacant luxury residential building at 2201 Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard. An emergency community meeting called Thursday night after some alert residents snapped these photos of numerous bunk beds being delivered to the property and realized it was going to be used as a migrant shelter. Will it be a domestic violence shelter or a sanctuary for migrants? Mayor Eric Adams unexpectedly dropped by the two-hour-long meeting and took questions from residents. Much of it turned into a large debate about the legal rules surrounding right to shelter, sanctuary cities, and the migrant crisis. But he did promise several times that it will not be used as a migrant shelter. We are not moving migrants and asylum seekers into that, that place. If you would discuss the plan on what we are going to do. Staff with the city's Department of Homeless Services and Social Services then spoke, acknowledging the original plan was to use the building as an emergency migrant shelter, but said now it will be used as traditional housing for homeless families with children. Longtime Harlem residents like Regina Smith annoyed the community wasn't notified. There was no transparency whatsoever. Of course not. They ain't going to tell you how they're going to fix this problem. Biden probably on your neck saying you're going to get these migrants in here because I want to get a vote for the next <laughs> for the next four years. And Eric Adams has to find a way without you knowing about it. You guys act surprised, man. Black people and when it comes to voting for the left, they act surprised that this happens. You say the right hates your guts. You don't think the left hates your guts either? And Smith and many of the other Harlem residents who attended the meeting say Harlem residents should be able to move into the property that has apartments with marble countertops and amenities like a pool. See, this is the problem, okay? You guys want to stay in these you want to stay in this government system of housing till the day you die they want to give you a nice penthouse and it's owned by the government you want to move in there too 
You don't want to move out. You don't want to save and actually get an occupation where you could actually one day have a, 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 a home that is yours that could be made of marble. You don't want to do that. You want the government to pay for it. This is the problem with the blacks who are on the left. You want the government to pay these things for you. I, I'm starting to see that blacks through the Democrat Party are raised communists and they don't realize it. They do not realize that they're under communist rule. That's what they don't understand. You want something like this, you're going to have to work for it. That's it. You're going to have to work for it. And when you say these things, they feel like you're going to be a sellout black person because it, it sounds like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, it sounds like you have to work for what you want. That's it. You have to work for it. That's there's no other way around it. Call me an Uncle Tom, call me a coon. I don't care because I'm living in reality. Unlike you people who want to vote Democrat and think you're getting a good deal when they take away your ambition and your motivation to work and get things for yourself. This is why I've always I've thought about it and I've said it. Civil rights movement was a con game. It was by a con man who was a puppet, Martin Luther King. That's what it was. It was a con game. That's all it was. It conned black people into a burning house. Martin Luther King was the king of grifters in his day. The king. And people still think he was a good man. No, he wasn't. This is the reason why you're in the mess you are today as black Americans. This is why you will never get reparations. This is why you will never be able to fight this race war that has been going on for a long time. Thinking you could fight with guns and bullets. No, you can't. This is something about Starting with the family first, respecting the family. And a lot of you don't want to do that because that means there's no more abortion clinics to go to. You go around and you screw around and you go and get pregnant, you're going to have to take care of that baby. Some way, somehow, with a will and a way. If you was atheist, oh, well, you're going to have to throw atheism out the window and you're going to have to start trusting in God. In that Bible. There's no other way to say it. When blacks, before the civil rights movement, blacks had their own stuff and they had accountability and they had responsibility. All right. I'm not saying that it wasn't bad during those times, but you had your own bus routes, your own businesses, your own apartments, and thriving communities. But Martin Luther King came, ar came around working with the Rothschilds, working with the uh, Rockefellers. Being a part of the boule, which means it's just the house Negroes of white supremacy. And this is what you got. From blacks having their own to blacks begging for their own. That's what you got. Okay, I'm going to end it right here. Okay. See you on the next one.
Later.